You are listening to audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church on the corner of Ebenezer Church and Pleasant Green Road. If you would like to learn more about our church, please go to ebcconnect.org. Now here's Pastor Bob with this week's sermon. Wayne, thank you. Choir, thank you so much. It's good that we have a Savior that has overcome, isn't it? Because he's living and he's alive and, and we can trust him with our lives. And um, to you just think about that in just for a moment, because if we didn't have that, where would we be? We'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? And so to celebrate that this morning, um, we're going to talk about moms and uh, a little bit of that. But did you know that we would, we did the baby dedication and and went through um, the choir singing and, and all that. It's all about what applies to us as a, as a body, as believers in Christ. What are we supposed to do? And how does it apply to our lives? Not just during this hour. Because it is really easy to live a Christian life within the hour when you come and sit in this room. But it's hard. It's hard come 1 o'clock this afternoon or tomorrow morning at 8 when, when things are just different. Traffic is different. People are different. Lines in different places. All those things change. We need to know how to live God's Word, how to apply it to our lives so that we can make a difference where we go. Because the church of Jesus Christ is not meant to just gather to be a church and hang out together once a week or twice a week or three times a week. We are gathered as a church to encourage one another so that we can live in a world that needs Jesus Christ and we can make a difference. And so when we're talking about moms and and dads and families and marriage and all that kind of stuff over the next couple weeks in this series called Welcome Home, uh, we're going to be talking about how to apply God's Word to your life. Today we're going to center in on moms, but the principles that we're going to talk about today will not only apply to to moms and um, grandmothers and great-grandmothers and to be moms and all those, but it'll apply to everybody in the room. Because there are some things in here that we could just say, if we take out the word mom, it would be okay for me to do that. One of the words is kind. It would be kind to do something and so we'd say that would apply to everybody that's here and so we're going to look at some of those things this morning as we go through this you know the the portrait of a family has changed hasn't it it's changed drastically if we were to go back and just look at what does what does a family look like if we were to go back 20 years or 30 years or 40 years we'd say it is crazy now, the church has essentially had to step back as the rest of society has stepped back and looked at it, and society has redefined it. And the church says, okay, if the society is going to redefine it, if we look at the biblical principles of family and life and moms and dads and all that, what are we supposed to do with that, and how do we make that mesh with what's going on around us? It is, it's very difficult. I remember because I have this definition of mom that, that came from my mom. Now, they, I'm not going to tell you she's perfect. Because what I wrote down was um, mom as saint and sinner. 
you may go, oh, that's cruel. No, it's not. She's mom with all her good stuff and all her bad stuff. I remember her ironing my dad's clothes. And, you know, some of that's changed. Uh, I remember her having dinner on the table at a certain time because it was the time that I had to be back in the house. So I remember her doing that. I remember her not wearing pearls. Okay? She wasn't one of those moms, but she sort of had things together in the house. But also remember the times that she messed up. And we teased her relentlessly about a time where she put dinner on the table and got it all set, laid it out, and we started dishing it out, and we started eating. And we, we don't eat peas at our house. I'm okay with them, but Debbie doesn't like them. She didn't grow up with them, so, so she's not going to fix them. If I have them, it's when she's out of town. So that's the way that works. And so my mom fixed them, and she put them up, and, and they weren't like, like real stuff. It was canned stuff. Okay, that was what my mom did. So it was canned green beans and canned peas and canned carrots and canned this and canned that, um, even some spam along the way. But she put, those, she put those peas, and we dished them out, and it wasn't very long because my, the way I eat is I eat all my vegetables first, and I save the good stuff for last. And so I started with the peas. And the first bite I took, I went, these are cold. Well, what she did is she emptied the can into the thing and forgot to turn on the eye on the stove. And she just took them off, put them on the table, and said, here they are. And so we... we mess with her for a long time about serving cold peas. We, and we would mess with her in other ways. My uncle sent her a, a stuffed squirrel in a box. Um, it was a little bit wrong. Um, but he, he's, he was a hunter, so he had a real squirrel, had it stuffed, put it in a shoebox, and mailed it to her. And so we, she got in the mail, opened it up, freaked her out, and she was all messed up, but it also became a great thing for my brother and I to use periodically when she wasn't expecting something, because we'd go up to her and we'd say, hey mom, what's in the box, what's in the box, and she would, you know, she'd freak out, and so it was fun, and so my mom, and in all the times growing up, there were some good things that I remember, and there were some not so good things that I remember. And she wasn't perfect, but she had an infectious, uh, infectious desire to encourage people. And, and if we were to look at views of moms, and that's what I remember of my mom, and you could go back with the memories of yours, and some of them will be good, some of them won't be so good. But if we were to look at them and say, where do we get our definition of what a mom should be? Well, we sometimes look at family or or TV, or some kind of media to look at it, but we ought to look at Scripture, shouldn't we? Now, granted, no mom is perfect. I know that, and it shouldn't have shocked anybody. But if we look at the biblical standard, we say, okay, that's a standard. That's a measuring stick. It's something that we can use to look at, and if, if we say, this is a mom, any mom, and we take the biblical standard of what a mom is, and we say, how does that measure up? 
If we look at it in one way, we could get, a mom could get very depressed and say, I will never measure up to that. But the, the truth is, when you look at it, you cannot look at it as, I can't attain this. You've got to say, I'm going to strive. I am in the middle of tr the transformation of my life, and so that is a point at which I can grow. So don't look at it from the negative side. Look at it from the positive side. And when we look at Scripture and what it says in Scripture about what a mom should be, we can kind of get this standard and figure out how high we have to jump. You remember back in um, PE class in school? Some of you still have to do it. Some of you don't. But you remember um, they always had this bar with the, with the little things that they came out to the side, and you were supposed to jump and hit them and see how high you could jump. Remember seeing those? Well, this is the same way, is you try it. And I'm not a jumper. I've got a vertical leap of an inch and a half. I'm, it's awesome. That's why I don't play basketball. I need something that's on the ground. So, but, but we'd have to do that in PE class. I'd jump, and I'd get the blue one. Next time, I'm trying for the red one. Well, that's all I got. But there were guys that, that would move up that, that scale. They would just get better and better and better. And so for moms, we look at these passages and you say, how high do I need to jump? How, where am I now and where should I be? Where can I be? And strive for that. Proverbs 31 is one of those passages that we look at and we go, oh my. But you have to look at it differently. The, the king who wrote this wrote, and it was words that his mom had shared with him and she says, here's what you look for. This is, this is the ideal, to love husband and children, to guard the home, to be protection, to work hard and provide for her family, to be strong, diligent, or not lazy, to be kind, to be of good reputation, a, a teacher, and a lover of God. That's quite a list. But if we say, here, this is where I'm at now, this is where I'd like to be six weeks from now. This is where I'd like to be a year from now. I'd like to be just a little further along in being the mom that God's called me to be. That would be awesome. See, the goal is not to necessarily to attain, but it's to work on the transformation part so that the transformation can take place around you. So you don't get to be a better mom just to be a better mom. You get to be a better mom because you make a difference in the world in which you live. You're not isolated and shouldn't be isolated. It's, you're there to make a difference. Paul understood that when he wrote to Titus. And this is what it says at the very beginning of the, of the letter to Titus. It says, Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. Get this, which accords with godliness in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his, in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Understand the reason that Paul even wrote to Titus is for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, so that they would live out a godly life. And so Paul, later on in this, in this letter, 
after he talks about leadership in the church, he boils it down and says, guys do this, ladies do this. And so we get over to chapter 2, starting at verse 3. And would you stand with me as we read these verses, these three verses? Titus chapter 2, starting at verse 3. It says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Let's pray again. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And it's a challenge to follow. But God, you've given us that as a a standard, something we can attain to or work on. And so, Father, in this place today, I pray that we would just be open to you guiding us. That we'd be open to you sharing with us as we meet with you in this time that your spirit would bring those things into our lives that we may need to change or alter or or just be different at. So God, I pray that you will work during this hour for your glory. That you'll work during this hour so that we will be the a better people of God when we walk out of this building. And that the things that that we share with others, the things that we do would point them to who you are to trusting you as Savior. So, Father, we thank you for this time. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The first thing we see Paul write in this section, it says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanders or slaves so much wine. They are to teach what is good. That's a pretty short list, but a big list. Because the idea is that the ins- that we find here is the inspiration of older women. See, there is a lot of wisdom in this room. There's there are things that that those of you and I'm not putting a line here. Please understand, because that'll just get me in trouble. If I say that line's 45, I'm in trouble. If I say it's 55, I'm in trouble. So we're not going to do that. You you figure out where you're at in this. But understand that older women have a responsibility to do some things. They're to be reverent in behavior. Essentially, to understand the influence of their example. So it's important for for those of you that may be a little older to show younger women how to live. And there's a lot of things in that. But the three things that Paul mentions First thing is not, says to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers. That's the first thing. Um, New American Standard says not to be malicious gossips or harmful gossips. The word is diablos, diabolos. It's diabolic. It means to side with the devil. You know what it says in, in James 3. It says the tongue is a fire. It's hard to control. It's hard to put, to get it under control. And so the encouragement to to Titus from Paul is to teach the older women and remind them to watch their tongues because they have so much influence. 
So that's the first thing. The second thing is not to not enslave to much wine. Or not be slaves to wine is, is kind of what it says here. But the, the idea is to be a bond slave. And you know what a bond slave is? A bond slave is somebody who would say, here, take my life because I owe you. And so when Paul writes this, he's essentially saying, older women, don't be slaves or enslaved or bond slaves to much wine. In other words, don't be willing to give up your influence by pursuing something that's not godly. And so Paul writes that. He says, be, be of control is another way to look at this. If you're willing to be out of control as an older woman, you fail to be an example to those that are younger. And so the older women have to be not enslaved to much wine. And then the third thing is teaching good. To teach what is good. And that can happen by word or it can happen by example. See, it is great when you decide as an older lady to step into the life of a younger lady and teach them what it is to be a mom, to be a wife, to do those things that would lift up Christ, to be present in the lives of those that are younger. I wrote down this. It says, your energy may fail, but don't underestimate your presence. So older ladies, step in. And there's a reason you step in is because you have influence. So there's inspiration in our older ladies. And then there is a word here, a transition that takes place. It says they are to teach what is good and so. And we would say, oh, that's just, that's just a a place in here where Paul's making this transition, but it doesn't mean anything. Well, it means a lot. When we read that to be and so means so that something will happen. So older ladies, you do these things so that this will occur. It's the same thing as my mom cooking peas. You turn on the burner, we get to eat warm peas. You don't do that, we don't want to eat. It's kind of like be nice to your mom on the video earlier, right? Be nice to your mom, eat those things. But they're cold, it's okay. So there's a so that or and so that takes place in this passage because our older ladies are the inspiration for our younger ladies to live a godly life. I've asked one of our one of our members to to come and share a little bit this morning. Um, we're, we're gonna do a little interview. So Mary, would you come on up? for that mic that usually goes right there. Hmm? Oh, okay. I didn't get that memo. It's all good. Can we do white? It is always wise to ask permission from upstairs before you grab a mic and turn it on. All right. Okay, so here, we've, we've talked a little bit, so she's not completely unaware. I didn't, like... Mary, hey, you're here. Come on up. You know, it wasn't one of those things. So she had a little bit of time to think about these. And I want to ask you three, three questions, sort of. It's kind of like three questions. And um, I just want you to share what, what God has laid on your heart and what you want to this morning. 
Um, the first question is, what is your favorite memory of being a mom? Well, because it's Mother's Day, the first thing that came to my mind was Mother's Day cards, and I had to bring a couple of them. You need me to hold them? One from last year, and that was since she's in the middle. But they're precious. I have my girls just when they accepted Christ and the lives they're living there. And it's really been a whole lot to me over the years. It still does. They're precious to me. And that's just basically what I want to share on that question. Now, what's your next question? (laughs) (laughs) This is sort of like the interview process. Uh, what was your greatest challenge as a mom, and why was it the greatest challenge? Finding time to I have one-on-one with my girls. I was just too busy. Working 40 hours a week outside the home, housework, yard work, preparing to teach Sunday school for many years, cooking and freezing vegetables, and just doing a whole lot of stuff that I thought I needed to do at the time. Okay. All right. So... I guess, why, why do you think that was a big challenge? Why do I think that was a big challenge? Yeah. Well, you didn't ask that question, but I guess it's... <laughs> I'm just going to, I'm asking it again, because I want, I want some clarity. Um, it's, okay. it's me. I'm a guy. I, I need to hear it at least three times. Well, it, it was a real challenge. See, I was work away from home 40 hours a week. I, I thought everything had to be exactly right in the house. You asked my daughter. And... Um, we froze and canned our own vegetables, and I did cut the grass, and I just was too busy. Okay. So, so because I have a mic, we're going to chase a rabbit. Okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Panic just set in. So, so here's the, if, if, if those were the things that, that were tough, mm-hmm. the, the challenge of being a mom and stuff and, and doing all those things, I guess the, the question would be, did you need to meet those expectations or you think you should have cut back? I definitely should have cut back. Okay. okay. So that would, be, that would be something that we could learn out of that is yeah. in, in take care of a house mm-hmm. to maybe guard schedules. Right. right? Absolutely. Okay. All right. So if you could give, it, give advice to your 25-year-old self. I stole this question from somebody else, just a little different. If you could give advice to your 25-year-old self, what advice would you give? I would advise me not to be too concerned about house cleaning. Beds do not need to be made every day. Dishes can be left in the sink a couple of days. Newspapers can be left wherever they fall. And uh, stop all this stuff every day. I spend time with my children every day. Just slow down and concentrate on what's really important play with my children, pray with my children, study with my children, and enjoy my children. That's to you ladies out there. You don't, you don't need to forget that card. So that was, that was good. Thank you. Thanks for sharing this morning. It's, yeah, it's awesome to just listen to that, isn't it? You go, well, that's, that's hard because I'm OCD. How do I do that? It's, it's a work in progress. And so I would encourage you to, to 
got to be careful how I say this. Um, go shoulder to shoulder with some of our, if you're younger, go shoulder to shoulder with some of our older ladies and learn what God has already taught them. Because there's a lot of things that we learn when we either do it well or we fail. And so we'd say, we can look back at our lives and say, I wish I had done this or I wish I had done this. And you look at that and you have to realize that although you can't go back and redo it, you need to look forward and say, but I can tell this one, this one, hey, slow down. I mean, you're making me nervous and I'm watching you from outside. Just slow down and, and allow God to use you in that place. So, there is a responsibility of being an older woman, but it is a privilege. The idea here is it's not a burden, it's a responsibility that becomes a privilege. And the way Paul writes this, he says, or to teach what is good and so train or encourage the young women. That word encourage means to disciple. Or to help them to come to one's senses so that they can grow in Christ, so they can live out what God's called them to do. And so that's our older women. The second one is the aspiration of younger women. And this is what older women are, should be teaching our younger women, and younger women should be living out. So Paul writes this, and it starts in this section. He says, to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands. We'll just stop there. Because there's a, there's a list here. And, and I don't have to know a ton, but I know that there are some words in that list that some people go, mm-hmm, that ain't happening. I know there's some words in that list that become a, an immediate challenge. It is hard to be kind to, to a person in a grocery store line that is not nice to you. It's hard. And so it's hard to be kind. It's hard to be self-controlled. Sometimes it's hard to be pure. Now, there are some things in this list, and I want to break them down into two different sections or two different types. Um, so they're not really going to be in order, but the first part is a, a general attributes. There are things that, that kind of are global for a life, if you will. The, the first one is to be sensible. It means to curb one's desire and impulses. Another way to, to, to say that is to say, what is, what is wise or what is the wise thing to do? And it may be that the wise thing to do is not the most pleasant or easy thing to do. Yeah, I think uh, if you watch the video right before the service began, or as the service was beginning, that whole idea of a child throwing up on your shoes, the immediate thing should not be, I need to go change my shoes and take a bath while the child does whatever. Maybe tracks it through the rest of the house. Sometimes it's putting self behind and taking care of what needs to be taken care of. So sensible means to Sensible means to curb one's desires or impulses. That would be part of that. And then to be pure. This is, it's an interesting word because it says to be excitingly reverent to be free. Or, or just be excited about not having 
a debt owed because of sin. And so when Paul writes that, he says to, to live guiltless. And so moms, young moms need to learn how to not only be sensible, but to live pure. And then the third part of that is to be kind or generous and good. Just living out global, the global idea of what it means to be a mom. The second part are specific attributes. It says to love their husbands and children. Now I want to be real honest. It's not going to be a real big surprise either. Sometimes I am hard to love. I am even hard to like. And I would say there's probably a few of us guys that are like that. So ladies, we understand, some of us really understand that sometimes we are really hard to love and yet scripture commands it. And so we, we want to give you some leeway in that, but we also encourage you to grow in that. It's a commitment to fulfill the vows of marriage and to not abandon the situation just because it's not pleasant. So the first thing is to love husbands. Second part is to love children. Love your children. Loving your children does not mean to step back from being a parent so you can step in as a friend. You as a mom are called to be a parent. And sometimes that means no. Sometimes that means a hug. Sometimes that means a spanking. And I realize that that's not politically correct. Moms be moms. Because as you are a mom that honors God and does the things that moms are supposed to do, you will raise children that follow God. They are not always going to measure up to your expectations, but you want them to follow God. They will not always please you. They will not always send a card on Mother's Day. Or remember your birthday. (laughs) Sometimes it's like that. But love them. And then the third part is to be diligent at home. And that word means to be a keeper or a guard. We went and visited a house recently and, and everything was pretty... We, we just walked around and, and we got a good idea of what the home was like. And, and we walked outside, we heard dogs barking and the garage was cracked a little bit. And the dogs started barking pretty loudly because we were right outside the garage door. And then we went back inside, and we knew the dogs were in the garage. And only our, our real estate agent was smart enough to look out there to see if they were caged. And, and they were in a crate out in the garage. But as soon as we opened the door, they just stopped. They didn't bark. All they did was stare. And I thought, they're just waiting on lunch. That's exactly what they're doing. And I think if there had been one more step into the garage or two more steps, those things would have busted that, busted that crate apart. It was two pit bulls. And I don't want to be any part of that. So it was like, hey, I see the garage. Good, we'll just close that and move on. Look at the rest of the house. But moms, you, as keeper of the house, guard of the house, you're to be like that. You, you may be quiet. You may... You may go, I'm just really nice, but you need to be a pit bull about guarding your family and your home. You need to be all over that. And so be diligent at home, protecting and willing to fight for your marriage and fight for your household. 
Fourth thing is to be subject to husbands. So we could put this with loving husbands and kind of group it with that. To be subject to husbands is a little bit different. It is, a, is about following God. And so guys, our job is to love our wives as Christ loved the church, right? And so if we do that, it, is, it should not be hard for our wives to follow us and to be submissive to us, should it be? So if we do our part, it makes their part a lot easier. It's when we don't do our part that their part becomes very difficult. Because if you have a husband who does not want to follow God, does not want to do what God wants him to do, and yet pulls out the submissive card, well, Scripture says you're supposed to be submissive. I'm not supposed to be submissive to the wrong places or be subject to you as you veer away from Christ. I should not be following that. And so guys, the, the, the weight of this to be subject to husbands really falls on us to do what we're supposed to do so that they can be subject or submissive to us as we follow God. This submissive thing is not a point of weakness. You can't be a pit bull mom guarding a family and be weak in this. To be submissive is a point of strength. And sometimes it requires greater strength to be submissive to a husband that you just don't know if he's following God with all his heart. So ladies, the list is pretty clear. And guys, our responsibility is to be head of the home and be that one that loves Christ with all our life and all our heart and leading our families and leading our wives and allow them to do what God's called them to do. And then Paul makes this turn, so that. To be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. So people won't look at you as a mom, as a younger woman, or look at an older woman, or really look at any of us in this room and, and think that the word of God is false. That the word of God should be pushed away. It should not look at our lives and see that. And so if we look at this, we're supposed to say, if, if we're supposed to do all those things that the Word of God would not be reviled, we need to submit to those so that others, others see us walking in Christ. It's a glimpse of God's attributes through you. And then the very end of this section of Scripture, starting at verse 11, is the result. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of, of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works." That's, a, that's an incredible passage because it kind of helps us to understand if we are God's people, that Paul writes this to Titus for us so that for the sake of the, the faith of God's elect and knowledge of the truth that we would live in godliness for these particular things because the grace of God has appeared and we are getting ready to go to glory, 
but right now we live godly lives so that others would see him? That's a tremendous responsibility and it's a tremendous privilege for us. And it breaks down into three pieces. To live for God now. That's our job. And then to look forward for his return then. So we live, live a godly life now so that people see Christ now. Looking forward to the hope of when he returns. And then in the meantime, to have a tangible difference in the world around us. Isaiah 32, starting at verse 9, and you don't have to turn there, but it, essentially it says this, you are going to, and this is talking about women, it says you're going to shudder and you're going to be afraid because there's going to be a time. It's going to be very difficult. There won't be any fruit. It'll be a very difficult time to live. The harvest will fail. But then in verse 15, after all this bad stuff, all this 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 nasty description of how life's going to be. It says in verse 15, until the Spirit is poured out upon us from on high and the wilderness becomes a fruitful field and the fruitful field is deemed a forest. That means it is grown. And so what Paul, or what Isaiah writes back here, he says, although you may see the world around you falling apart, be diligent and stay faithful. Stay with it until the Spirit of God has His way with you and with those around you. Be diligent. Moms, for your kids that don't know Christ or are struggling in their relationship to Christ, stay on your knees. Stay in the fight. Do not give up. Don't abandon the work. Wait for the Spirit of God to bring conviction so that, so that we can see change. I can't promise you all that. I can promise you or say what the Word of God says. I don't want you to give up in the middle. So stay with it. So you have a tangible influence in this world. And so the question you could ask yourself, if I'm supposed to do that, how can I make a difference in my family, in my community, and even in my church? How can I do that? God has called older women to be an inspiration and younger women to aspire so that the kingdom of God or so that those living in darkness will see the kingdom of God and the glory of Christ. I want us to pray and then we're going we're gonna to approach our, our invitation, our commitment time just a little bit different this morning. Let's pray together. Father, as we talk about moms and the influence of older women and younger women and, and talking among different age groups, Father, there's a lot of challenge for us. And at the same time, when we look at your word, there's even challenge from outside that doesn't, from those that don't believe your word about the definitions that we're supposed to follow or even look at. Father, I pray that you'd bring clarity. You'd help us understand what our responsibilities are and where it's good, where it's not a burden and a privilege. And so, God, I pray that you would use our moms and our grandmothers and our great-grandmothers to be the examples that you've called them to be.
I pray for those that aren't there yet, aren't in that mom situation yet, aren't wives. Or looking, maybe looking forward to that. And if you call them to that, I pray that you would grow them in that relationship with you. That they would be what Scripture calls them, them to be. So Father, we, we come before you with this long list of desires and looking at, looking at your word, realize that we fail a lot and need your strength and your grace and often your forgiveness. And so Father, I pray that during this time of commitment that you would guide us and speak to us, that we'd be a people willing to say yes before you ever ask and they'd be willing to do what you call us to do even if it's tough. And so, Father, do that among us this morning, that it will make a difference around us later. God, we pray these things in the name of Jesus, our mighty Savior. Amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Ebenezer Baptist Church. We welcome you to join us next Sunday at 1030 a.m. for our weekly worship services. If you have found this resource helpful, please share with others and check out our other ministries at ebcconnect.org.